Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Last service, we spoke about looking beyond your limitation. Let's go to the book of Nehemiah. This whole series called Build Again is coming out of the book of Nehemiah. I believe it's one of, well, they're all great books of the Bible. But this is 13 chapters and speaks so much about uh, how to bring change into our environments, into our world. Nehemiah 2 verse 11, Nehemiah says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. I rose in the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. You know, there's a lot of people a part of this service and there's dreams in your life and you've never told anyone what you really believe God has for you in your future. Nehemiah said, no one knew, but God had put it in my heart. Psalm 34 says, God will give us the desires of our heart. Why? Because He's the one who puts them there. He's the one who leads us. Many of us, I never ever thought I'd be doing what I'm doing, but God put it in my heart, even as a new believer. And I believe that there's lots of you like that. Listen in, lean in. Let God show you what He's going to do next in your life. Nor was there any animal with me except the one in which I rode. I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuse gate, viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates were burned with fire. It's a mess. The entire city is basically rubble. They're living in ruins, the 50,000 people that are there. Then I went on to the fountain gate to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. That's how wrecked it is. So I went up in the night by the valley, viewed the wall, and I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. The officials did not know where I'd gone or what I'd done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials or others who did the work. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lies waste, its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. Nehemiah turns up to a city that the entire city is burned and the entire city is rubble. And the first thing he does is survey the problem. I want you to watch this. He surveys the problem and he picks one thing to fix. He doesn't say, I'm going to repair the temple. He doesn't say, I'm going to fix all that building, all the houses, all the communal buildings, the places that are important for the governance of the city. He picks one job and he says, I'm going to solve one thing. When we talk about change, one of the biggest areas of concern and one of the biggest errors people make is because over the years I've had so many people come to me and say, Jeff, my whole life is a mess. And I say, really, your whole life? I've never met anyone whose whole life was a mess. And I encourage them to find one area that they're going to zero in on. I don't forget speaking to a young woman uh, she was a graduate in her field and had a very important job, uh, literally was consulting and being flown all around different parts of Western Australia in her role. And nobody knew that emotionally she was so broken down that she could barely function. She said, I can professionally function at work. 
But she said, my private life is such a mess. And she was like uh, many people are, so bedazzled by the, the, the overwhelming sense of it's all a mess that she couldn't function. Well, we started working with her saying we're going to do one thing and that's all we're going to do. Well, literally within a, a matter of months, that young woman went from being someone who couldn't function in a social setting or anything like that to being somebody who later on met a young man, she got married and uh, her life totally turned around. But it never started by trying to fix everything. It started by trying to fix one thing. Proverbs 17 verse 24 says, A fool's eyes are on the ends of the earth Wisdom's in the sight of him who has understanding. In other words, look at what's in front of you. A fool is looking at everything out there in a long way away and they're going, you know, it's all too much to try. The enemy always wants to magnify two things. He wants to magnify your fears and magnify your problems. So right at the beginning here, I'm going to ask you to do a Nehemiah and, and say to yourself, What's the one thing I need to focus on for the next month? What's the one thing? Is it work habits? Uh, is your life an emotional roller coaster? Do you wake up every morning saying, I wish I didn't have to go to work? Or, you know, I wish I wasn't even here. Maybe it's poor communication uh, in your home life or some other part. Maybe you're just beset and besieged by worry. And you go, Jeff, I feel like this is wrecking my life. Then can I ask you to ask yourself, what's one area that I'm going to work on? So make a note for yourself. Say, that's it. That's it. I'm not going to worry about all the other stuff. Not going to bother about all the things that are at the ends of the earth. You know, what's going to happen six months from now, a year from now? Will I be able to travel again? All this kind of stuff. What about this career job? I'm going to just focus in on one thing that I'm going to work on. Now, two things, after having said one thing, but two things are absolutely vital for lasting change. First of all, it needs to be a changed mindset. And we made reference to that last week. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. The word prove there literally means to prove by experience. It doesn't mean to prove it analytically. It means to be able to prove it by the way your life changes. He says so that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And we understand that, I think, in the church more almost better than any other people that are on the planet. We talk about repentance, which is metanoia, is the Greek word, means a change of mind. We talk about that stuff all the time. You know, when Hayden is speaking there about our giving, it's about a mindset that people have towards the resources they've already got. When we speak about destiny offering, how do you see something like that so remarkably happen? Well, I'd say to you, you couldn't if it wasn't for a changed mindset in the hearts of everybody that says this church is their home. They've got a changed mindset that says, yeah, I'm prepared to commit now a seed even though I don't know what the next 12 months looks like. 
That's a changed mindset. So I think we understand that we mightn't be perfect at it, but we understand it well. I think it's the second thing that so often gets missed because many Christians think if I can just think differently, if I can just change my mind, if I can just try and be more positive, if I can just believe, if I just pray more, if I just, and they, they put all of the change into this area of their thinking, a changed mindset. But you know, the Bible does not teach that one thing like that is enough for change. Let me take you on a quick journey through some of this here. I believe the second thing that's the missing link for many people in their change or in their growth uh, is changed habits. Uh, Changed mindset is powerful. And without a changed mindset, habits changed probably won't do it. But can I say to you that without changing the habits of your life, the way you do stuff, without changing that, your changed mindset is like it'll make you, listen to me, it'll make you feel better for short periods of time. You'll change your mindset. I'm going to be more positive. And you will. And you'll feel better for a little bit. But if you don't change the habits, the old mindset will keep dragging you back. Your old habits will keep dragging you back to an old mindset. How do I know that? Because 1 Corinthians 15 says this, evil company corrupts those good habits. And if I'm fellowshipping in my thinking uh, and, and I just change that without changing the habits, then I'm going to end up in a difficult place, all right? It always requires both. Now, let's come in the Scripture. Let's just have a look at this. I'm going to give you one, two, three, four, five verses. All out of the book of Nehemiah. And I want you to see what it says. Nehemiah 3, verse 10. Next to them, Jediah, the son of Harumhaf, made repairs in front of his house. And next to him, Hatush. I think that's the name everybody should call if you have a child coming, Hatush. Hatush Karachi. It's got a real ring to it. Hatush, the son of Hashabnia, made repairs. Nehemiah 3, verse 17. Just seven verses later after him, the Levites, under Rehum, the son of Bani, made repairs. Next to him, Hashabia, leader of half the district of Kila, made repairs for his district. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 23, six verses later. After him, Benjamin and Hashub made repairs opposite the house. After them, Azariah, the son of Messiah, the son of Adonai, made repairs by his house. Verse 28, beyond the horse gate, the priest made repairs each in front of his own house. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 29. One verse later, after them, Zadok, the son of Emma, made repairs in front of his own house. After him, Shemaiah, the son of Sheshaniah, the keeper of the east gate, made repairs. I want you to notice something about every single one of these people. In their houses every day, these 50,000 people have opened the door of their house and they've stepped around or over all of the rubble. All of the mess that was around about them, it's become a habit. If you go to the bush, the forest, the woods, the jungle, whatever term it is in your culture, where I walk every day, you will see tracks that I've made because I walk there every day, often twice a day. 
And uh, at the beginning of this year, I decided to go a different way. And now I went there this afternoon. And now there's a track formed by my habits. And now other people have started using my track because I see other dog prints. I see other footprints as people are starting to follow the track. It's just become a habit. The dog, my dog, our dog, Lola the Magnificent, uh, Lola the Magnificent, uh, now if I go somewhere off the track, she looks at me like, but we always go this way. And can I say to you, lots of us have got habits like that in our life. And think about it, these people every day just get out and step over the mess. They don't even think about it. They just get out every day. They're, it's around their home. We're not talking about something a long way away. Listen to me, God is not trying to get you to fix the world. He just wants you to fix up what's immediately around about you. What's the stuff in your life? Come on, every single one of us. Myself, you have no idea how challenging all these messages are to me. Because even though I've seen God do a great amount of change in my life, how many people know that there's more to come? How many people know you ain't there yet? Amen. We are not at the terminus. We haven't arrived at the destination. And as long as I'm on the journey, there's some rubble that I need to stop stepping over. There's some things that I need to change. Now, listen to me. If you try and become perfect tomorrow, you're just going to give up. I've tried all that. So I remember telling them, I went out on an altar call once. I don't remember who was preaching, but I remember I'm an enthusiastic young man. Glory be to God for whom nothing is impossible. Amen. And the preacher said, those of you that will commit to pray two hours every day, I want you to come to the front and surrender to God. And so I walked forward in that meeting and I knelt at the altar and I told the Lord, I'm going to pray two hours every day. And I remember the next morning I got up and I remembered I'd been out in the altar and I told God two hours. So I started to pray. I prayed, I prayed. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. I prayed everything I could think of. I prayed and I prayed. I looked at my watch and 10 minutes had gone past. But, you know, I've never been a quitter. And so I'm just like, oh, God, I'm going to do this if it kills me. And so I prayed and I prayed. I started praying for countries I didn't even know anything about. I started praying for foreign lands and missionaries I didn't know existed. You know, I looked at my watch and 20 minutes had gone past. And then I just kept on Praying, and I remember somehow or other I ground out. I started praying for people's pets. That's how bad it was. I'm, I'm just gonna like you. Know, I'm gonna get everything out here. And finally, I completed two hours, and I remember finishing the two hours, going, "Oh God, I thought this is supposed to be nice. I'm supposed to love this. And instead of this, I feel like God. This is the hardest thing I've ever done. You know, like hello, open heart surgery be easier than this." You know, and I'm not even a doctor. And uh, thinking about that, well, but I'm not a quintessence, so I went to bed that night. I got the next morning, I go two hours. This time I'm prepared. I bring a map of the world because I'm going to pray for those countries. You know, what's it called? Burkina Faso. I don't even know where it is, but I'm going to pray for Burkina Faso. Uzbekistan. I, I know it's somewhere in Europe, place near Turkey. And I'm going to pray for that. And, 
and you know, I, I, I came prepared. But you know what? It never got any better. I remember after about three days, this is very true. I remember after about three days, I said, God, I obviously made a mistake. I made a foolish commitment. And I got before the Lord and I said, Lord, would you release me from that commitment to pray two hours every day? Because God, you don't want me to grind this out. And, you know, I just, you know, I'm pretty sure he said yes. <laughs> and so I did. But after that, that it actually was a good thing because I started thinking about how Jesus did prayer. And I started thinking about how Jesus did prayer, not as though, oh, God, here we go, you know, because I remember, could you not tarry one hour? And you go, I'm going to pray an hour if it kills me. I've, I've killed a lot of my flesh in prayer meetings. But, you know, I discovered that God is not so much interested in the amount of time, but he does want my attention. And so I started changing and building new habits and ones that suited the way God had wired me. If, you know, me, you know, sticking me in a small space and saying, now, don't think about anything else. Just do that. That's a little bit difficult for someone like me. I, I don't know if I have any diagnosable condition. I do know I get bored really fast. And uh, so, anyway, this is, not, this is not a counselling session for Jeff. But those of you send me an email during the week, I know what your problem is. Uh, you know, you weren't potty trained or whatever. And, uh, uh, and forget all that for a second here. But what I'm talking, let me come back to the message. These people have built a habit. And the first thing Nehemiah says to them is a change of mindset. Come on, we're going to arrive. We read it in Nehemiah chapter 2. We're going to arise and build the wall lest we be a reproach. That's a hard thing. He says, we're going to address this. But the next thing he tells them to do is change your habits. Come on, you guys. You've been walking out of your house and stepping over the rubble. He says, now I want you... Every day you walk out of your house, I want you to pick up one stone and put it where the wall is going to go. And so Hatush, Hatush Karachi comes out of, he's grown up now, Hatush Karachi comes out and he picks up one stone. And then when he comes home in the afternoon, he picks up another one. Thank you, Red Frogs, for this wall. And so he picks up another stone. The next morning gets up. He has his porridge with his honey and his milk on it or his Wheaties or his whatever he has. You know, I know he wouldn't have eaten bacon and eggs. That's all I'm saying. And uh, he goes and he picks up another stone and he puts it in place. He comes back in the afternoon. This one's a little bit closer. He just moves it with his foot and he puts this stone there. And little bit by little bit, this guy... One stone at a time. Hatush begins building one stone at a time. Can you see the law of habit? The law of habit isn't I've got to be perfect tomorrow. I've got to get it all fixed. I've got to solve it all. The law of habit is one brick at a time. I've just got to change one habit. Some of you, when you go home in the evening, the first thing you do is slump down in front of the television and begin complaining about your day. And maybe there's a habit that needs to change. Maybe for some of us, we sit there and we start scrolling through social media the first thing we do in the morning. 
and discovering how pathetic our life is compared to everyone else's. No amens on that one. But when I read this week in the paper that something like 60%, I think it was, of teenage girls say that social media has made them feel less attractive. I've got an answer for you. Just don't go there. Like, seriously, there are some that I never read social media the first thing I wake up. I'm on it. I like it. But I'm not going to read it first thing in the morning. I don't want to start my day with comparison. See, it's just a habit, isn't it? Huh? No? You know, I had a, I had a, a friend of mine who was terribly uh, tormented is not even a good enough word. Absolutely tormented, terrified with fear. And I could never figure out. I counseled her, prayed with her, tried to help her. One day I had, a, I think, a word of knowledge. I said, tell me, what's your favourite movie genre? That's a strange question to ask. She said to me, I love horror movies. I'm going like, hello. Now, I don't like them anyway. I can't see any reason to like them. But anyway, that you live your life. All I'm saying is she needed to, she's trying to change her mind without changing a habit. Are you with me? So Hatush Karachi comes out every day. Wouldn't it be funny if they called him that? And before long, when Hatush comes out of his house, instead of seeing rubble all around, now there's a wall, but how did he do it? He did it one block at a time. What, listen to me. Ask yourself, what one area do I want to change? Now here, you've got to be able to answer this question. What's one habit I could change in connection with it? Do you get up every day feeling overwhelmed and negative? Maybe the first habit you ought to change is I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to read the Bible. Maybe that would be a good thing to do. Maybe say I'm going to put on some praise and worship music. We're all going to do it differently. Me, I like to pray out loud, exuberantly. Rhonda likes to sit sometimes. She's got a chair at home. She'll sit in that chair and she'll sit there and just read the Bible and put on a a CD or a, something on her phone, you know, because she's very tech. And so she'll put on there something or other and play one of her beautiful... And she loves that. Me, I want to be out in the bush. I'm going to be praying and going at it, yeah. Find the habit, though, you need to change. Are you with me? I think it's important. Let me give you one final example. I'll finish with this. I want to show you how it works and how Jesus did it. Luke 19 verse 1 says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Everyone's heard of him. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich and he sought to see who Jesus was, but he couldn't because of the crowd because he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he knew Jesus was going to come past there. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste, came down, and watch this, and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, the Pharisees, they all complained, saying, he's gone to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. Then Zacchaeus, I'm going to come back to this in a minute. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, 
Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. The word salvation means wholeness. And I'll show you why, because both the things I'm talking about, a changed mindset and changed habits are both in this story. Salvation has come to this house because he's the son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Verse 6, he received him joyfully. There was a change of heart. Verse 8, the man who was a taker becomes a giver. He changes all of the habit patterns. Instead of taking from people, he becomes a giver. That's a pretty radical change. I remember when the Lord began to deal with me about prosperity and about blessing because I sure didn't have any in my life, though I believed the doctrine of it. So I began to read the Scripture. I began to discover, like it says in Joshua 1.8, you know, everywhere that you put your hand, he says, I'll bless. Every place you put the sole of your foot, that's the land I've given you. And I began to pray and change my mindset about who God said I was. And in conjunction with that, I began to give. Now, I'd always, since I'd gotten saved, I'd been a tither. I gave my first tenth to God. But I'd never gone beyond that and built a habit of generosity. And I still remember to this day, I can tell you who it was, I can tell you where I was, and tell you how much it cost, when for the first time ever, I changed that habit pattern that aligned with a new mindset. That was the turning point in my life for how this goes. Change your mindset, change your habits. One more, Ephesians 4.28 says this, it's all just in this one sentence. Let him or her who stole steal no longer, but rather let them labour working with their hands what's good that they may have something to give to the person who's got need. Let the person who stole steal no more. Change your heart. But rather let them labour, change of habits with their hands so that they can give a new habit to the person who's got need a new heart. Twice in just one verse, it brings together both those things. Change your mindset, change your heart, change the way you think, but then you've got to change. Like some people, some people will go, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to you know, get rid of this inferiority complex. But the first time someone gives them a compliment, Instead of saying, thank you, that's great of you to notice, their habit is, oh, no, you know, oh, no, it was all the Lord. People say that to me sometimes. They go, oh, it was all the Lord. And I go, funny, because it looked like you. See, their habit is undoing their mindset. Are you with me? Don't, don't let a habit keep on living that will undo the mindset. These people have said, we're going to rebuild Jerusalem, that we may not be a reproach. That's a mindset. We're going to stop being the leftovers, the left behind. We're going to stop being the people that don't count. They never even wanted us to take us to Babylon. We're not important. They left us here just to care for rubble. We're going to change our mindset. We're going to do something great. And then we're going to change the habits. So instead of stepping over the rubble, I now use the rubble to build a wall in my life. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal a new mindset and reveal new habits for you in your life. Seriously. 
Some of you will go, Jeff, I'm not sure. What could I change? You don't have to stress over. You don't have to walk out here with all the answers. You could start praying this week. Matter of fact, can I say to you, if there were three habits I could get people to just do these three that have changed their life, I'd say, number one, come to church. Just being in the house of God will change you. Secondly, I'd say become a personal prayer. And that's not for special people. I don't care whether you do five minutes every day, just make a habit of it. That's the power of it. And then become a giver. And I don't mean giving necessarily to church alone. I'm talking about becoming that kind of person who looks for opportunities to be a blessing. If you just do those three things, I guarantee you your life will be different. You'll change your life in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, help us tonight. Thank everybody that's here, Lord. Thank you for so many people that are leaning in to grow. People that are saying, I want to be different. I want to become what Jesus wants me to be. And so, Father, I pray that you'll help us with those two areas, Lord. Would you help us with a mindset shift in our life? Some of us here, Lord, it's been written in our minds so engraved so strongly. It's been there for years and years. But, Lord, you said you can give us a new heart, a new spirit. So, Lord, I pray you'll do that for each person. And then, Holy Spirit, will you help us? We don't want to just stop something. These people never stopped standing around the rubble. They changed what they did with it. So, Lord, I pray you'll give us wisdom so we'll know what to do, how to bring that change in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Look this way a minute. We read before Luke 19, verse 10. I love this verse. Anything you want to know about Jesus is all in this verse. It says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. How different that is to what so many people think about Jesus in our nation. Right now, the church is copying all kinds of criticism and all kinds of flack, and I don't know how much of it's merited. I'm not everybody and I'm not every church. I do know that I've made mistakes. There's been things I didn't do, perhaps as well as I could have. But I do know this much. I do know that Jesus is still out there saying, I want to seek and save people that are lost. If you, from your heart, can't say, I know Jesus, if you from your heart are saying, Jeff, I'm not sure what life's about, can I say to you that Jesus wants to save you? I love that. It doesn't say that the Son of Man has come to judge. He's come to criticize. He said, I've come to seek and save that which is lost. Father, I pray tonight that you'll help people who need to take that step and say yes to you, just like Zacchaeus did. He was looking and no one knew. The whole time everybody had written him off as being a bad guy. But he was hungry for Jesus. Lord, I know there'll be people online during the week or people in this service right in front of me or people online right now. And they're looking for you and no one ever knew they were looking. But Jesus, you know, because you came and you stopped under that tree and you looked up. You called him by name. Lord, tonight you're calling people by name. You're saying, come on, tonight's your night. Come on, now's the time. Say yes. Father, I pray for each one of them in the mighty name of Jesus. Let salvation come to their home 
in Jesus' name. There's husbands and fathers. There's grandparents that need to say yes. There's wives and mums. There's single people that need to say yes. There's kids that need to say yes. Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I pray that that message will help you. And let me just say one more thing that will help you. If you want to say yes to Jesus, well, if you're a Metro Church dollar line, that yes button's already there for you. If you're in the service here and you want to say yes to Jesus, the easiest way is just to go to this number. It's up there on the screen for you. 0488-826-392. And just text yes. Just why yes. If you want to do it online, you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. And then after you do that every day for 30 days, we'll send you without any pressure of any kind. We'll send you a Bible verse, different one every day. We'll send you a prayer, different one every day. They're designed to help you there. Chosen by us, they come from this church. They're not from anywhere else. You're not signing up for anything and then we, you know, hook you in uh, like some kind of crazy bunch. It's not about that. It's We genuinely want to see you know Christ. We want to genuinely see you become discipled and become everything that Jesus wants you to be. I trust you'll do that. 0488-826-392. Yes.metrochurch.org.au or that yes button on metrochurch.online. Amen. God bless you.